This is Heart to Heart with Hospice Quinty on 91X. Heart to Heart features important and worthwhile conversations about hospice palliative care and end-of-life issues. Tackling the tough issues with tenderness and the difficult discussions with dignity. Here's Jennifer May Anderson. Today I'm joined by Galen Nuttall, a financial planner with Freedom 55 Financial. Galen is probably the most interesting financial planner you'll ever meet. He is a certified financial planner and also has a master's in education. He has lived in four countries on three continents, speaks three languages, and is the holder of three passports. In his travels, he has been bitten by a rat, almost kidnapped by paramilitary soldiers, and has been stuck in a rock slide in the Himalayas. Galen's superpower is taking complex financial concepts and making them simple. For the past six years, he has been doing just that for Canadians, helping them tune out the noise and debunk the myths around financial planning. Thank you very much for visiting with us today, Galen. Sure thing. Thank you for having me. I'm really thinking we could probably spend hours talking to you about all your adventures, but uh, (laughs) today we're going to focus a little bit on um, financial planning around end-of-life issues. Uh, With your history of all this adventuring, how did you first become involved in financial planning? Yeah, that's a good question. So as you mentioned, I have a master's in education. So my background is education. I taught overseas for 10 years, hence a few of those adventures. Uh, And uh, master's in education, my wife and I moved to this area with her job, and there were not a lot of teaching opportunities. So um, my own financial planner said he thought I'd make a good one. And initially, I was not interested at all, very different from what I was used to. But over time, what I've realized is that taking the background I have in education and combining it with financial planning is fairly unique. Um, I saw a study recently, and it was a staggering number of people are more confused about their finances after they meet with their advisor than before, which in my mind means that there's a real lack of clarity in what people's options are and um, how everything works. And so I'm happy to bring that a little bit to the uh, industry. And could you tell us a little bit about what it is you do for our clients? Because if people are confused after they speak to a financial (laughs) planner, how confused are they before they speak to a financial planner? Yeah. So in in essence, what I am is I help people make sure, um, first and foremost, most of the people I get in front of, I help make sure that they are going to someday be able to stop working and not have to worry about running out of money before they run out of time. And that's the first primal thing I help people with. After that, um, if if things are looking good, then it's a question of the end of life. You know, at uh, at some point, you know, you can't take it with you. So the question then becomes, uh, if we've made sure that you're not going to outlive your money, what's going to happen with what's left at the end of the day? And what's the smartest way to send that to the places people love and the people uh, that they care about? And so it's typically just three different places that the money goes when someone passes away, which is loved ones, uh, charities or causes or churches that they care about and taxes. And so my job is to help write the biggest checks to the ones that they care about and the smallest to the ones that they don't. And so I know that uh, we run a lot, we run into a lot in our uh, area of business, so to speak, that people don't want to think about the end of life and people don't want to uh, plan ahead. They don't want to think about scary things like wills and estates and and what's going to happen and, and how they're going to be living. So perhaps you could tell us about what some of the risks are if people don't meet with a financial planner and do some financial planning. 
Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. Um, you know, it's, uh, it definitely isn't something that, you know, (laughs) you mean that people don't wake up loving to think about their own mortality? (laughs) Certainly not something that people love to think about, but, uh, the good news is once someone has thought about it, then they don't have to think about it a lot more. Um, and then they'd also don't have to worry about it. Um, what can happen? I mean, it's interesting in the last number of years. So a couple of celebrities have died without proper planning. Aretha Franklin, uh, the artist formerly known as Prince, um, actually JFK passed away with a will that wasn't valid. His brother, when he passed away a few years later, had still had JFK named as his executor. Um, so these are the types of things that can happen if someone's not proactive. And that's talking a little bit about the will, but um, there's so many more things that so many more discussions that need to have to happen outside of just the context of a will. So um, I'd say the big issues that happen, the biggest thing I see time and time again, when someone hasn't asked the right people the right questions, is the executor or the family is left behind not knowing really what the person wanted or why they left things the way they did. And so I'm a big fan of people figuring it out and communicating as much as they feel comfortable what is going to happen so there aren't surprises. And I've seen, I'd say one of the worst things I see is when um, families, there's a lot of um, struggle between family members because grief does, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to deal with and you throw money on top of it. And the biggest thing I've heard from people is sometimes something is left behind and they just wish they knew why. And if they, and they can't ask anymore because the person's gone. And it just makes them feel a little bit lost and adrift, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I know that one of the things that we encourage people to do is to uh, do advanced planning for their medical care, uh, because what we don't want to see happen at end of life um, is sort of the same thing that you're talking about, is that families are having tension and stress and worrying about things and having to do paperwork and do all that stuff. We want people to just be able to be families or be loved ones or be friends at end of life, as opposed to uh, kind of becoming a a little bit enemies, right, and kind of agitated and, and, and working against each other. So as you said, nobody wakes up and and wants every day to contemplate their mortality. But when would you say someone should start thinking about their financial planning? Yeah, so thinking about it in general, I'd say it's never too early to think about it because at the end of the day, when I sit down with people, almost inevitably they say, oh, I wish I had known this. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. (laughs) And uh, that's something I hear all the time. So my, in general, it's never too early. When it comes to end of life planning, like I said, it goes hand in hand, in my opinion, with retirement planning. So if someone is wondering whether they're going to be able to someday flip a switch and only work if they love working, not because they have to. And the statistics are that 65% of Canadians over 65 wish they weren't working, uh, but can't afford not to. So I'd say if anyone is out there wondering, okay, do I have enough to retire? Uh, How do I get to that point if I don't, then I think the estate planning conversation really goes hand in hand. Because if someone has done a good job of retirement planning, they're most certainly going to leave behind something and they can have a say. The earlier they talk about it, the bigger say they can have and where that ends up going. And um, the other thing I was going to say was, um, you know, the other day a client was meeting with me and he was asking a lot of, a lot more questions than normal about um, what we were doing. And I was kind of confused. And um, what I realized, I finally asked him, I said, is everything okay? Because he's, I consider him to be quite young. He's, I think he's probably about 60, 61. And he said, well, Galen, you know, I had some shortness of breath a few weeks ago. It really scared us a bit. It turns out I'm okay. But it really made me wonder whether my wife's going to understand what we're doing when I'm gone. And so I said, well, you know, 
uh, I don't want to see you go anywhere anytime soon, but I am substantially younger than you. So she can always call me to know because that's another concern that um, a lot of people don't necessarily think about. But I've seen that happen a lot, too, when there's a couple. Um, So statistically speaking, if I'm sitting in front of a couple in their early 60s and they don't smoke, the chances that one of them is going to make it to 90 is it's almost a certainty that one of them is going to make it to 90. The statistics are so high right now for people living that long. But inevitably, I see when people do pass away in their 80s and 90s, one person has usually take managed certain things in the household. And if the one who manages the finances passes away first, the one that's left is usually completely confused as to what's happening and why. And so um, I like to be that person in their lives to say, okay, you pick up the phone and call me. And if you didn't understand what we were doing before, I'm going to make sure you understand it now um, so that you feel at peace around what's happened. One of the things we sometimes tell or encourage people to do um, long before end of life uh, situations arise is to have a go file. If you are the person that manages the finances and it's like, okay, if I should go, here's where everything is. Here's where all the answers are. Just go to this file, call these people, they'll help you figure it out. So I think that goes along with what you're saying, making sure people understand what's happening. I thought it was interesting that you spoke about three buckets that mm. people can sort of plan for their money to go after they pass. So we've got the the family, friends, loved one bucket. We've got the charitable bucket and we've got the taxes bucket. So mm. what are some advantages and disadvantages of, of, of planning or maybe not planning for things to go into those different buckets? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And good question around the buckets there. So that's exactly it. Three different ways that money, when someone passes away, inevitably their money goes in three three different directions. Um, the, the value of planning ahead is that um, a big part of it is from a tax perspective. Um, what a lot of people find, if they've done a good job of planning for retirement, all of a sudden they have a problem that could be considered somewhat of a good problem where it's like, oh, I've got this money, but now looking at how much I'm going to get taxed on it. Um, it's not uncommon for me to see someone who's basically going to lose half of their savings if they if they pass away before, uh, you know, at the very end of life, we can kind of do some things. But if uh, they pass away uh, at a certain age of, stage in retirement, a lot of times I run the projections and they're going to lose half. If they do some planning ahead of time, then they can make sure that they're doing what they can little by little to move the money into uh, tax efficient ways that they can leave the money to the people and the causes that they care about. And just to make 100% sure is that... Um, I'm, I, I, you know, I understand why we pay taxes, but I also am not the biggest fan of people paying voluntary taxes because at the end of the day, um, you don't have a lot of say as to how you don't have any say as to how that money is spent. Really, it just gets sent off. Whereas when you send something to a charity, you can. And the last little thing I'll say that's highly underutilized. And I used to work for a charity, which is why part of why I care so much about charities is I understand it from both sides. I worked for a charity in Venezuela for several years. Um, People can do what's called a family foundation with much, uh, you know, you hear about these foundations and you hear about these big checks being written by foundations, which are wonderful things. But what people don't realize is um, for as, if someone plans ahead, uh, someone can have a family foundation for as little as $10,000 quite uh, easily. Um, and the, the benefit of that is there's a lot of tax advantages to doing that. And it's also helpful for a charity to have foundations that are continually helping them out with their yearly expenditures. So they're not as worried about where the money's coming from each year. That's just one example. But there's lots of examples where I've seen people go from instead of losing 50% um, to taxes over a number of years, we can get them down to 10% sometimes with a little bit of planning. So there are some advantages um, 
to both the person who's leaving the money and also then to the charities for someone to consider uh, charities when they're doing their financial planning. Oh, absolutely. There's advanced techniques where um, you can give to charities in a specific way where more goes to the charity, more comes back to the individual from a tax break perspective. And so it's kind of a win-win for the charity and for the family. What's the best case scenario when you have a client coming to see you for the first time compared to what might be the worst case scenario if you have someone coming to you for the first time? Sure. So the best case scenario is someone coming well in advance of any sort of big change they think is going to happen, be it retirement or end of life planning. If they've come well in advance, we can go over all the options. Uh, Anything that needs to be implemented over time can be implemented over time. I mean, I have uh, clients who have just retired and, you know, it usually takes a year or two to kind of um, get a feel for what finances are like. But now that they've got a feel, now we're working on the estate planning. Not that they think it's going to happen anytime soon, but just in case. And um, so that's the best case as well in advance of whatever is going to happen. I'd say the worst case, I mean, what's come across my desk, so to speak, or when people have, you know, an accountant has said, you should really call Galen. Um, sometimes it's in a case where someone's already passed away. They didn't do any planning or very little planning, or they did it all themselves, um, which is pretty common in the age of Google, (laughs) where people Google what they think they should do. And I think a lot of times um, there's this thought, like my own grandfather, for example, um, he made some pretty big mistakes with his his planning and he passed away when I was two. Um, But, you know, he was a very smart guy, very high up in a company, you know, kind of the person that everyone just probably assumed had it all figured out. Uh, But, you know, he had gotten some bad advice along the way and maybe kind of thought, uh, looked things up on his own. Um, So the worst case scenario is when someone has not done that planning and the family is coming to me to try to kind of see what they can still what can still be done and in that case there's not a ton we can do um there's some things we can do but if someone's already passed away and they didn't do a lot of planning ahead of time there's not a whole lot to do uh, around what's already happened so if you had some sort of quick last minute pieces of advice um for people who had never uh, considered seeing a financial planner or hadn't ever seen a financial planner, what what would you tell them? Yeah. Um, so what I would say is, you know, so one of the big reasons people don't talk to financial planners is one is they're worried that it's expensive or they're worried that they can't trust this person. Like those are the two biggest concerns. I've pulled people across all sorts of professions and that's usually what comes back. So first off is, um, you know, talk to someone and just, you know, in, in my case, I'll just use my case because I know it better than anyone's. But, um, you know, initial call is free. You know, initial consultation is free. I don't charge anything for that. So if someone has questions and if they're in the position of saying, you know what, I need a second opinion or I just don't know if I'm doing the right things, I'd say like and, and another reason people don't call and people have admitted this to me is they, they're embarrassed. They, they, they worry they're not doing the right thing. They feel like they should know more than they actually know. And this is across professions. I mean, I've had doctors who say, when they finally sit down with me, say, Galen, I was really embarrassed to sit down with you because I feel like I should know more. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you don't know a lot or don't think you know a lot, that's fine. That's what a good advisor is there to do. And, um, you know, call, have that initial consultation to see and um, just ask those questions. You know, am I, lay it all out. You know, this is what I've got. This is what I want to have happen. Is it actually going to happen that way? Or are there some things I should change to make it happen? Well, thank you very much. I've, I've learned a lot and I've really appreciated you spending some time with us today. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Learn more about hospice at hospice20.ca and listen for Heart to Heart regularly at this time on Alternative Radio 91X.